0: Positively insane. this is Rio Sports and the World Cup. So well, this is your lucky day. You get to run on to the World Cup soccer field and raid two jerseys. One each off of the backs of any two World Cup players. Which two jerseys would you run off with? ay
1: would go for it would be Germany's Mueller I like how he plays and I love how he cut his eyeball and still just plays like a beast very respectable Uh,
2: my first selection was also Thomas Mueller just because I really enjoy his style play as I said in our last meeting I like Germany and I think they're they're a great team and I mean he's got he's got one of the could be a golden boot contender I mean he's he's a prolific striker with a lot of speed so I would definitely take uh, Thomas Mueller's jersey as my first pick
1: my second pick would be uh, Howard from the United States of America the goalkeeper he's a legend in the game they call him the bearded wall instead of the Berlin wall (laughs) he he plays really well I like his style he keeps very solid stoic and doesn't whine and complain very much he just plays the game I enjoy that.
2: My second pick would be Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I think he's a great player even though there's a, he can be a little bit of a, a negative um, member of the, the football team or soccer team but I like his style and I think he's just one of those iconic players in the in the game right now and so it'd be um, pretty cool to have one of his pieces of memorabilia.
0: Just heard Taylor Grendel and Eric Florence put their jersey picks. Which sweating icons would lose their jerseys to you?
1: Hello and welcome to The Journey,
2: your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio
0: Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy! Positively insane. Absolutely spectacular. Torrential rains, equatorial heat. This is the jungle, the Amazon the lungs of Mother Earth. Breathe, everyone, breathe. You'd be very wise to breathe through this wild range of jaw-dropping tumbles, a shake-up. Is this the coming of a new world order in the soccer kingdom? (laughs) Who will heist the dream of these nations to towering new heights? Are former colonial powers poised to grab this throne again or will juggernaut sons of oppressed foremothers dancing, diving, fly this crown to the top of the new mountain? This battle is on and some are beginning to bite. Riosports.com, that is R-Y-O-S-P-O-R-T-S.com, check us out, go there, you'll see the 50 most shocking World Cup moments ever, it's already visited by over 10 million viewers, check it out, after the show, Ryosports.com. click on Soccer the 50-most shocking World Cup moments ever. It'll give you a good rush. But what about this World Cup? What are the most shocking, exciting, interesting, or heart-stopping moments you've experienced so far?
2: So the most shocking moment for me thus far in the World Cup would have to be Suarez's biting attack on the Italians, I just don't understand it, and the fact that then he tried to play it off as though he was the one that was fouled, just, it's comical to me, but I just can't believe that's something that occurred during a World
1: Cup match. I, I do agree that was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny. Well, it, it was interesting, and I saw
1: <laughs> lots of comments from my South American friends mm. on Facebook about it, and like a picture of Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer, mm. with uh, Suarez's head in a dog cone yeah. to stop <laughs> from biting. Yeah. I thought that was interesting as well. One of my favorite moments was uh, Colombia versus Japan and Honda's cross, and the guy that uh, dove opposite of the goal but still headed it into the goal was really good for me. I also really liked uh, one of Belgium Holland's first goals in the whole tournament, which was a flying Superman header into the...
2: Oh, Van Persie's? Yeah.
1: I remember that.
2: Yeah, that was like from way outside the box, and he (laughs) flew and still managed to head it into the
1: goal.
0: If you're just joining us, I am Neville. I'm with Eric Florence, the expert, former football slash soccer player for Dominican University, and Taylor Granville, the enthusiast, who is just back from Peru. Eric's pick for the cup is Germany. Taylor picked Costa Rica as his sleeper winner. We also have on the show Jose Godoy from Spain. His pick is Colombia. Ludo Lobo from Spain. Her pick is Germany. And Daniel Hernandez who is backing Mexico and picking Germany. Okay, what about the infamous alleged Suarez chump on the Italian player's shoulder? As despicable as it is, I know Taylor thinks it is very funny. Let me pose this unthinkable question. Why is this bite any different from any of so many other illegal and horrendous moves in the field, butts, elbows, kicks, trips, stomps, knees in the groin, spit in the face? Why, Why aren't all of them treated with equal distaste and outrage? There's no
2: need for it. And, I mean, the fact that he's done that previously
1: and he still continues to do it, I mean, that's that's scary. Me, from a novice standpoint, I would say because it's so intentional. Like, the headbutting, the high kicks, those those happen during the game. Like, that's the sport. But intentionally biting somebody when the ball is not even near you. So, like,
0: you, But you're saying that the headbutting isn't intentional sometimes? T- t- or, typically uh, they're... Like, a, a kid. All right, go ahead. Talk to me about it.
1: Zinedine Zidane did it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zinedine Zidane did it back in the day and he is the man for doing it. But his was for a totally different reason. He wasn't looking for a call. He was getting somebody back for a previous play. And Suarez was intentionally trying to get a free kick to score a goal.
0: What what do you think? Right. How does it compare to
2: I mean, I agree that the that it was an extremely intentional move and that's the thing that puts it above the others in terms of just negative things or or physicality that's a natural occurrence of the game. I mean, there are certain things that happen throughout play that are intentional in terms of grabbing and pushing and sliding that can lead to a negative result. But, uh, the fact that he, in, in the video, I mean, you can distinctly see him going in for the bite on the guy's shoulder. So that's definitely concerning. him. Um, as compared to the Zenadine Zidane, uh, incident, um, I mean, I I don't agree with what Zidane did. I do believe that it was in, in the heat of the moment, but um, I think it kind of tarnished his his image and it, his I mean respect at that point. So they were he was at the the height the height of his career, and in that moment in time, it's kind of sad to see that occur. But I do think there still was a slight disparity between those two moments. His was although intentional, it didn't seem as extreme
1: as Suarez's attack. See, me personally, I think it gives more respect to Zidane because <laughs> the play before he got taken down mm-hmm. where most people would lay on the ground and cry, mm. he got up in the next play down the field, he took the guy out and I appreciate that. That's sports, that's testosterone. That's that's what sport is about is going for each other. Like you're playing full out. Like it's competition and I appreciate seeing that from somebody instead of laying on the ground for five minutes, calling a timeout, blah, blah, blah.
2: I mean, I believe that there's a competitive spirit there, and I think there's a way to resolve getting taken out in a previous play, but I don't think intentionally attacking somebody is the way to do it. I think you go down the field and you become the the person to score, to set up the assist, or you do it in a way that's, you know, acceptable. You don't do it in an the, the illegal fashion in terms of harshness, that where you could injure somebody. I don't think that's
1: the appropriate way to resolve the issue. Well, he, he didn't intentionally try to injure somebody. He headbutted him in the chest.
0: <laughs> like, that's
1: not gonna hurt anybody. <laughs> you ever been head-butted yeah. in the chest? <laughs> um, yeah. that's, that's fine. <laughs> like
2: we, we can live with that. I mean, there's it's a difference there. Knock the wind out <laughs> of <you>. yeah, <laughs> and that's about it. Like, if it's about competitive spirit though, you don't go to something that's against the rules. that's something that takes you away from the player that you are. When you're so skilled, you don't resort to headbutt you go to your skill
1: sets and, and you show that you're better that way but if the referees are not showing you that this is how the game's going to be won it's going to be by how things are called then i could see where there is a frustration and you're going to take it back out on the other team like Suarez's, he was in the box and he was trying to get a foul called so that he would get a penalty shot like he was in the box which is a goal, which is a huge detriment to the other team. True or no?
2: I mean, I disagree. I don't think location has anything to do with the the result or the mindset or the appropriateness of these actions. I think they're both of them are wrong. One more shocking than the other for some reason. A bite is just ex- <laughs> is extreme by all means. So. Um, but I don't think really location has anything to do with it. I don't think that's the way you handle a situation of that that matter that that sense. You just go and you play. You show you're the better player, and you do it within you know the the limitations of the rules. You don't just
1: take it upon yourself to take somebody else out intentionally. Zinedine though wasn't looking for a free kick, a penalty, anything of the sort. He was looking for retribution. Whereas Suarez was looking for specifically a free shot like he was in the box if he wasn't out if he's outside the box it's a free kick which totally changes it but he was within it he was within the goal
0: so you're giving him a pass because it was retribution that's I mean, are you saying that <laughs> <has> resolution <laughs> is fine? Yeah. Yeah. Well
1: m- me in sports if if I feel that you've slighted me, I'm gonna get you back. <laughs> okay. And uh, That's why we don't
2: play contact
1: sports <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. right. But that's the way it is. It's it's competition, like people go at each other for a reason. Like that's why it, we have these now. Is it's like, for example, American football
0: mm-hmm.
1: is considered old-time war. You have your generals, you, you have different positions, you're attacking, you're trying to get your ground, mm-hmm. and people are going to go after each other. Like, the best go against the best. A huge example was the last Super Bowl, Sherman, from Seattle. There was a huge clash between him and, what was the guy's name? Crabtree. Crabtree for San Francisco, and it's all in competition, and they understand it afterwards, but it's the heat of the moment, like he said.
0: Well, for for me, to be honest with you, I I think um, what makes competition, these kinds of competition great, what makes the battle vital and valuable is the fact that you can use your skill set to be able to rather than to come out of the 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 parameters of the game to start getting in people's face you know to me when this is just personally once you do that then that spoils the whole sport for what it is sport the the beauty about it is that you could have these rivalries you could have these battles you could put your whole soul into it and then come out and shake hands and keep going now i know some people can't do that but I don't know. <laughs> and and also
1: how often does that happen
0: well it happens pretty often actually. If, if somebody
1: as soon as somebody crosses that line
0: well no, no i i you I don't you don't,
1: you don't check that or I, you just no, let that happen you say oh well i'm I'm going to use my skills. You can hurt me.
0: No, no, no. It's not about you can hurt me and I leave you alone. It's much more than that. But I can promise you that the, 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 the glory of the great games are because people, you see these people with their skill sets to their optimum, pushing each other to the, the best. The best, in, in my view, to me, when it denigrates into an outside battle that, you know, you can tear each other apart, that's... Maybe why the world is in such a mess. (laughs) That's just my view. (laughs) That's one out of three here.
2: (laughs) Well, no, I mean I agree with you. Like I said, I I think you attack it with your skills, and you show them within the limitations of the the rules of the game and within the sporting spirit of the game that you're the better player. You don't resort to to a, a tactical violent move. Because that doesn't prove anything, it doesn't prove you're the better person, it doesn't prove you're a better athlete, it just shows that you have, you know, less self control than the player that just did the same thing to you that now you're trying to retaliate for. So it just really if once you cross that threshold, it goes downhill until I mean, all it is is just attacking each other versus playing the game and that's like Neville
1: said, that's the beauty of it, the game itself. And a tactical component of it. I agree with that, but at the same time, that's why there's referees. And when the referees are making lots of mistakes, then it comes down to the players to have to regulate how the flow of the game is going. You don't regulate... For example, on on the street, if you and I are walking uh, and somebody punches you, I'm well... That's the way of the world. Good luck, <laughs> brother.
2: But that's not a game.
1: <laughs> that's walking down the street and somebody blindsides you. That's not the it, game. It's, a, it's the same way in competition. Somebody hits you ridiculously. You're going to get up and you're going to protect your teammate, no?
2: Well, I, I mean, you're you, gonna don't, you don't get up and you don't attack somebody. Um, you get it's up. Not attacking. <laughs> How is it not attacking? If you intentionally go to somebody and physically abuse them, how's that them not attacking? <laughs> because they did it first. That doesn't mean it's right. That just means no. you let allowed them to get into your head and get under your skin and put you out of either. your game. It doesn't mean it's wrong either. I mean, you know that move is wrong. You don't do that and say to yourself, this is the right thing to do. You do it saying, I'm going to get this guy because he just attacked me and now I want this vengeance. So there's definitely a negative component to it that you you recognize before you even do the action.
1: (laughs) 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 Yep. Yep. All right with that.
0: (laughs) Uh, We'll be right back. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Well, ladies and gentlemen, off air, we had blood flying everywhere, metaphorically speaking. But what about you? What do you think? Is a bite as good as a butt? If you are bitten, should you or should you not bite back? And are you a wimp if you cry? Is vengeance, is retribution part and parcel of a natural aggression in any sport? What do you think? Don't bite me. I'll bite you back. During our next session, we'll confront the role of the referee in every sport. Are they the devils in disguise? Or are they just badly misunderstood servants paid much too little? Anyway, back to football, or soccer if you prefer. The numbers, the stats, they are true the roof. Let's get to our expert and see if we could understand the game a little better. Sir, so obviously in soccer, the aim is to get more goals than the other persons, but you know, the field is set up in a certain formation. You have certain field positions. What is all that about?
2: Well, I mean, in, in terms of the game overall, mm-hmm. um, you have 11 men on the field, mm-hmm. um, each side. And you start with your goalkeeper, who's the protector of your goal. Mm -hmm. Um, They sit in there, and they stay within the confines of the box. At least that's where they can use their hands. They can move her outside of that, but then they lose the privilege of using their hands. Mm -hmm. Um, From that point, you're going to move up into the defensive third, um, where you can have multiple formations and multiple sets. But... Um, in terms of standard positions, you kind of have your your central back or your sweeper, as a lot of people call them, mm-hmm. um, and then you fan out from there, having uh, defensive backs on either side, both right and left, with usually a, a stopper position, which kind of um, is the the point of that formation, depending on what you're utilizing. But and they that's kinda,
0: is best to protect your the defensive
2: position. third. But then that's the the staple of your defensive mm-hmm. third. Um, with with after moving forward towards the center midfield line in the progression of those positions, um, you get into your midfield, mm-hmm. which is kind of the next area uh, of the game, or the next um, set of of players within the team or the people on the field. And inside the the midfield, you can have have them set up or established in a lot of different ways. But typically, you'll have once again a kind of a central player, the central midfielder. With then two players on the outside, sometimes they call them flankers, sometimes they just call them right and left midfielders, but you kind of keep that same um, kind of shape. And in the in the midfield, we have a central player, and then the ability to feed balls to the outside, so you have people kind of flying down the, the sidelines there. And Then you transition up to the, to the offensive third, um, where you can then have your strikers and um, you can set those up, you can stack them, you can fan them out, you can do all sorts of different positions in, in the offensive third too, but you'll have, you know, whatever number of remaining players that you haven't utilized in your defensive third or the central midfield, mm-hmm. you'll place them in some formation at the top with your, your striker, your attackers, mm-hmm. and they're kind of the, they're the, the people that you would hope bring uh, the finishing power to your team and are the scoring uh, individuals.
1: No. said so what was your position and what was the specific role that you played?
2: Uh, I kind of, I, I played in multiple different capacities. When I was younger, I actually started uh, as a defensive player. Um, but as I progressed through the different rankings and I started playing at the higher levels, predominantly I played up top. I was a striker. But um, when I went into college, they u- utilized me in three different positions. I played up top, I also played as a flanker, usually on the right-hand side, and then they'd also set me in the central midfield position to distribute the ball. So I kind of, as I got older and got further into the game, I moved from a defensive role into more of an offensive capacity.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, when you say striker, what does that mean? Me as a novice, I'm not sure.
2: I, I, was, the, I was the forward. I was the person that you're getting as you develop your, your play, as you progress the ball up the field, you're getting it to that top top player to hopefully control and then finish and score for you so I'd be making runs down the field getting balls dropped in um, collecting it trying to score but I'm kind of that that finisher that final player up top
1: so what are some of the players that the audience would recognize
2: I mean for the Americans Clint Clint Dempsey is our our main forward Josie Altidore used to be up there but he was injured but they're kind of our our offensive power firepower up there but uh, they're our main strikers and uh, so I played kind of a similar position or capacity with them.
0: Does it mean that somebody who is in a defensive position can they strike for goals as well or go ahead?
2: Yeah any, any player on the field can, has the ability to go up the other field and score so um, you're not limited just to that role you can maneuver and move at at any point within the field mm-hmm. um just typically for a formation standpoint you kind of stay within your roles because otherwise there could be a counter if you weren't able to finish but anybody can score and depending on what the the style of game you're playing or or what kind of set pieces you're doing you'll bring your defensive players into those different roles to become the scorers to become the the finishers but uh most times they'll stay back and kind of hold that shape and protect it for make, making sure there's no counter against you if your strikers and midfielders lose control um, so that you kind of have that safety net and that ability to um, resist the surge of the other team.
0: Now, you, sometimes you hear people referring to offside. How does a person get offside? What does that mean?
2: Offsides means that when you have an offensive player or anybody moving up the field um, against attacking the other defense, if the defensive line, um, if they move into a position where they're in front of you or you're behind them before the ball is played or when the ball is played, then you're offside. So essentially you can't drop in behind the defensive line and just sit there and cherry pick. You have to be moving with the, the formation and stay in front of them until the ball is played, and then you can make your run and mm-hmm. behind, or you can make it simultaneously uh, as the ball is being played. But you just can't cross that, the defensive line during the, the, the actual play until the ball has been moved into that, that position.
0: Great. Wonderful. Okay, it's game time. Talking about the rules of the game, as head honcho of our fantasy World Cup matchup, I've made a few sovereign rule changes. And for the purpose of today's fantasy, USA and Germany have advanced to the World Cup finals. Germany, being the powerhouse, gets to keep its team as is. Mr. Eric Florence, our expert here, as head of the U.S. squad, gets three wild cards. With those three, he can pick three players from any of the current World Cup teams but Germany to replace any three players on the official U.S. World Cup roster. First, let's see who he picks, and who he replaces. You see, if you agree, then we will play the game.
2: Okay, so if I'm kind of restructuring my squad with uh, different players available from uh, all the teams in the World Cup, um, I would have to go with number one, Lionel Messi. Number two, Cristiano Ronaldo. Agreed. And number three, Myanmar. And in doing so, for my uh, switch on the American team, I'm going to get rid of one of our goalkeepers because we have Howard. So I'm going to keep him, but I'm going to get rid of one of his backups, Nick Ramondo. I'm going to get rid of one of our forwards because I'm bringing on Myanmar, and that would be Aaron Johansson. And then I'm going to get also rid of Josie Altidore because he's hurt. So it's an easy decision for me. And so he's gone. So that's my exchange. Ronaldo, Messi, Myanmar, for Raimondo, Johansson, and out the door.
0: Now that you have made your choice, according to my sovereign rules in this fantasy matchup, Mr. Taylor Granville has one veto which he can use if he chooses to block one of your changes and make a change of his own. Once he makes a decision, The team is final. Taylor, it's your turn. Me personally, I don't
1: like Neymar. Uh He's a heck of a good player, but I just don't like how he plays. I'll go with Suarez.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bring back Suarez. No, No,
1: I'm kidding. No Suarez. Uh, I like Farfan from Uruguay.
0: So you, you'll you replace Neymar with Farfes.
1: Farfén. Farfén. Yeah. All right. uh, or oh, we can't have Germany. So no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would have been my uh, other choices. All were coming off the German <laughs> squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh,
0: now, now that you have your three picks, uh-huh. all right, the game is played. Halftime. What's the score? 3-1. Three, 3-1 one. Three, one in whose favor?
1: U.S. now.
0: What do you say? Oh, with that squad.
2: Halftime. I'm going to have to give us the advantage on this, and I'm going to go with a 2-0 two, two scoreline at halftime.
0: At halftime. Plus
2: two,
1: either way. Plus <laughs> two. <laughs>
0: And the World Cup winner is...
2: We're getting the World Cup 3-1, which is his halftime score. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> what do you say?
1: Mm, I think we'd sneak another one in.
0: And at what score?
1: 4-2. Uh, U.S.? Yep. Oh, good. Germany's a machine. I, I think they'd get one more in, but we would... You know.
2: The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite Internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love.
0: Estamos en The Journey con gente e historias increíbles. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Hunks I Dreamed by Neville D'Angelo from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Audible, Kindle, Nook. And remember, we are on Stitcher free. Listen to us wherever you are, wherever you go. See you next week.